Welcome to Overheard at Chica's Cafe, and I am Chica, Sonia Iris Lozada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Overheard at Chica's Cafe. And my guest today is a longtime acting friend, Doreen Calderon. Hello, Doreen. Hello, Sonia. Off the air, you just told me that you did a couple of interviews. Is this for the new show that you're in? Yeah, Fatal Attraction just premiered last week, which if people are hearing this later, was April 30th of 2023. And what is your role in it? I forgot to say it's on Paramount Plus. Yes. My role in uh, Fatal Attraction, her name is Maureen Walker, and I am Dan Gallagher's longtime assistant. Dan Gallagher if people remember, is the Mike Douglas character yes. from the film. So I play his longtime assistant. I am his right-hand person. I am his biggest fan. I'm also a friend of the family. I used to work for his father before him, who was a judge. So that plays into part of Dan's psychology and work environment, because apparently his dad was a personality that people either well, most people had a problem with, okay. but he was also very powerful. So Dan has to uh, deal with that. Also, he has to deal with his daddy issues and stuff like that. For daddy what I, issues. <laughs> yep. What I got from the previews of it is that he's in jail or something because yeah, he says he so, didn't kill the woman. Yeah. So that's really cool. I didn't understand it when I was reading the script because wait a minute. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember the film at the film spoiler. If you haven't seen the film, so pause this for a bit at the very end. If you remember, it's the he's, he's strangling, strangling her in the bathtub. She dies for about 30 seconds. Right. And she comes back. She comes back. And then the wife pulls out a gun and shoots her. Yes. To my memory. Yeah. So the TV series has Dan coming out of jail for having killed Alex. And that's where my mind is like, but wait a minute, he didn't kill her. But well, that's the difference. This is not a remake. Mm -hmm. This is a reimagining. So certain plot points are different from the film. The thing that remains the same, of course, is the affair. Yes. And that she died. Isn't that why he's in jail? That's why she's in jail. But see, I don't want to give any spoilers. Oh, you can't. No, no. And I and I don't expect you to. Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about, about the TV series is that we open up on present day, 2023. He's coming out of jail. He doesn't even expect to come out of jail. He's got two things on his mind. He's going to rekindle his relationship with his wife and daughter. And the second thing, he's going to prove his innocence. Yeah. How does he do that? So it's sort of a murder mystery as well. Then we go back to 2008. Uh -huh. That's where I come in, where his life is normal and going well. And we see how he and Alex, the woman, first meet. Then we get into their personalities, their psychologies, their family relationships. And we start to understand how these two people ended up together. In the movie, it's like, ah, it's just a, a weekend of lust and there's no explanation. And he was terrible. He was a bad man. He, was a, he cheated on his wife, but he was also a victim. 
Yeah. Uh, where in this one, it's like, mm, he's not a victim. And we're also looking, God, the movie's like 30 years old, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, I remember well, seeing that. I love that film. Right, but but it was so black and white where the woman was like, psycho bitch. And that was the fear of so many, I don't know if you remember, but the guys around me, cause we're like, you know, in our twenties, we're like, oh, so I gotta be careful, psycho bitch. And the girls almost use it as a power thing. Yeah, you better be careful. <laughs> you know, but the, the, what the TV series does is it examines mental illness and personality disorders. Yeah. And there's, there's compassion to be had there. So in 2023, these kinds of things have already been out in the open. But to see a, an analyst, a therapist is so normal for our culture. Yeah, where well, before it wasn't, I remember that my mom, I mean, her generation had such a stigma. It's like, if you went to see a therapist, it's because you were crazy. And it wasn't even mentally challenged. It was crazy. Like, you, yeah, yeah it, it did not have any patience. And people are still afraid of that. The fear, I believe, is that somebody is going to tell them that there's something wrong with them and that they're broken. Yeah. And that's just not true. There's so much mental illness. It's it's kind of scary, but at least it's in the surface now and people are more tolerant. You know, it takes forms in different ways. You know, we run around in the circles. We're privileged, right? Mm -hmm. Artists, middle class and you know you and I will run circles into upper middle class and some wealthy as well mm -hmm. but people who are living in middle America just living paycheck to paycheck you know maybe on a you know in a trailer park the accessibility to mental health is just not there and so they are discriminated against when they have maybe an outburst of their disorder and, you know, they're the crazy person at the other end of the park or whatever. It's still there, unfortunately. Well, it's it's there in many countries, too. Yeah, yeah. Going to therapy was something wealthy people did. Right? Yeah. You know, and now there's all these organizations that actually give help and you just have to call them. But again, there's a stigma. Do I call? What is my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? Sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. Yeah, well, that that's really, I, I think what we need, I don't know if it's we need somebody to talk to, but we need somebody who will provide a safe place for us to say our truth. And I'm going to put a plug out to the first time I saw a therapist. <laughs> I have to laugh because now I remember the situation. I, I It got so bad that I was crying for a solid month. Wow. And I was ignoring these, these sadness symptoms prior until I couldn't stop crying. And I'm like, okay, now something has to happen. And I just Googled something like pay what you can therapy or mm -hmm. something. And what people, a lot of people don't know is that when therapists uh, graduate, when they've got their doctorate, part of that is they have to put in hundreds of hours a volunteer time. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can get an affordable therapist. Sometimes you get it for free. Well, yeah. I mean, for free, I was paying 15 bucks a session. That's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I remember going to them and, I, and I, even I, who was very open to people going to therapy, I even felt like a little weird going to one. So what I did was 
I was referred to several of them and I went to each one to see which one I liked. And there was, I tell you, they all gave me like a free first session, which was great. Yeah. yeah. There was one woman I went to see. It was my session and she talked the whole time. I'm like, really? Oh man. She talked the whole <laughs> oh, time. My God. And, and I mean, it's like, how are you giving people therapy? You never shut up. One whole hour of hearing her. Well, 50 minutes, because they're normally not an entire hour. And then I um, I went to another one that I informed her that I went to one that wouldn't stop talking. And then she didn't talk at all. So I felt like, am I talking to a wall? I mean, and it's like, um, I could do this at home. <laughs> yeah. The third one and, worked and out. What you, just, what you just said is, I think it's great encouragement for those people who have gone to a therapist that they would say, oh, they were bad. To let them know, try another one. They don't all work the same. Yeah. Yeah, I learned that from a boss of mine. He went to uh, several ones. He goes, well, I had to pick one that I can feel comfortable with, that I can talk to. Yeah. And I and I go, well, that's a great idea. I never thought of doing that. And so I copied what he did and did that. But so now... Tell me more about what's going on with your career, though, your life. I mean, now we have, we're in the middle of a writer's strike, but. Um, well, we don't know if we're at the middle, the beginning or the end. We're at the well, beginning. But we're, we're not at the end yet. Yeah. You know, I, know I don't people, know when that ends coming. Yeah. So. One of the things that I learned and, and I've been on this fast track, I'm going to call it a fast track journey of awareness for about the last five to seven years. Because prior to that, I was working very hard at my career and getting nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then about seven years ago, I was helping a friend who coaches actors uh, in the business of acting. I was helping, was I helping her? I don't know. She uh, brought me on as one of her sponsors for one of her events, because at the time I was doing marketing mm -hmm. for acting. And I kept listening to her spiel and I kept like listening, think internally thinking, yeah, she's right. She's right. She's right. But we only hear a message when we're ready for it. Mm -hmm. So I had been listening to her for a while and suddenly something clicked. And what clicked for me was on the surface, a no brainer fact. And the fact was, there's no reason why I shouldn't be working all the time. I agree with you. But what that was, wasn't just like, uh, you know, a meme, every actor, you can do it too, kind of thing. No, it was, it was sort of this panning out of me, what I've been doing, the industry, and then the industry that I don't even know about. So I was like panning out of all of this and suddenly I could see clearly more than I ever had before and not just believe there's no reason why I shouldn't be working all the time, but suddenly in a click, knowing, knowing in my bones, there's no reason why I shouldn't be working all the time. And it's just a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And when that clicked, I started to relax. 
because I had a knowing that it was just a matter of time, as long as I stayed in the game. Yes. And what, what happened immediately was I started booking for the first time in years because I had a drought. And I, I'm like, huh, well, isn't that interesting? Because I was showing up to auditions, just having fun, no agenda, no reason to book a job. I mean, I was broke, but I didn't attach the need for money with my joy of auditioning and acting. It was so much, I was so unaware of what was going on with me getting back into the flow that I had booked a television gig. It was uh, my crazy ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you sing on and that? I, I went into the audition, first of all, knowing that my, you know, my musical theater voice went away a long time ago. So I have a very small range, but there's this one song that nobody really knows. And it was on the Streisand Star is Born album. And it's in my range. And you know what? I don't care if I get booked. I'm just going to go sing it. Well, wouldn't you know, the casting director, a gay man, would know the Streisand song. Yeah, oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> so while I'm singing it, having fun, he's like dancing to it behind the camera and he's mouthing the words. Oh my I God. couldn't believe it. We were having so much fun. And then, I don't know, that same day, my agent said, hey, uh, they, you're booked. And I went, oh my God, I forgot because this doesn't happen. I'm already booked for a national commercial. I didn't even think about checking dates. Casting was not happy with me. And I have had, I I had to, because I had already accepted this job. I was booked on this national commercial and, uh, you know, contracts are signed. Well, not until I get there, but you know, everything was agreed to. And, and it was kind of a big deal because it was a, not only was it national, it was a car commercial and it was directed by, um, oh, I forget his first name, but Coppola's son. Oh, okay. Yeah. He does. He directs a lot of independent things. Commercials are his thing too. Uh, that, that was a big deal. So I was so embarrassed that I was unprofessional, but I realized it was because I was, I, did, I had no expectations I wasn't going to get cast. I, I didn't have that musical theater voice. There's no way. And there you go. And there I go. <laughs> and, you know, I, I no regrets because we always make mistakes. But yeah, it's part of life. Yeah. So then, you know, that that was. Um, I, I have to say, too, with that commercial, it was an audition for you had to, like, do aerobics. I am not athletic. <laughs> You would think so looking at you though. You would think I'm naturally slender. I'm natural. I naturally have a lot of energy, but you know, I know basic stuff. So I went into the audition again. I'm just having fun. But all of these other actresses were in their fitness clothes, showing off their six pack, showing off like how limber they were because they teach Pilates and yoga and all this stuff. And I'm just there in leggings and a t-shirt. And I was blown away that I got cast in this commercial. Mm -hmm. But again, I was just having fun. And the the director apparently liked me. It wasn't until, I kid you not, 
there were six women on the spot. Mm-hmm. We were all doing aerobics. It wasn't until we were all walking from our trailers to set that the client, it was a Honda spot. Uh-huh. She comes up to me with a laptop and she shows me a video and she said, you're going to be the instructor and these are the moves you're going to do. Ooh. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the, what, what? They were super simple mm-hmm. and I was happy to do it. And I was, I, I know they made the right choice because we were shooting aerobics for like six hours straight. Wow. And I had the energy, you know, we had breaks, mm-hmm. but you know, we were shooting till about one or two in the morning. Wow. Yeah. And, and I know. Call? Yeah. Yeah. It was like late in the afternoon. And then we probably didn't get on set until six or seven or there, there were different parts of it. I remember actually part of it was uh, daylight. We were actually doing aerobics in a garage. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to the Honda dealership, which was on a built-in set at night. This I want to point to is not luck. This is being in flow. You're happy. You're not scared. You're not future tripping. You're up for anything. Now it it solidified when I started being introduced to uh, something called the three principles. What are the three principles? Um, The three principles, I'm going to be terrible in explaining them. So the best I can do is give you examples of how they work, how, how they work. The three principles really is one concept, but the man who brought them into the world, his name is Sid Banks, an old Scottish dude, Mm -hmm. like a sixth grade education. This happened, I don't know, in the fifties or the sixties. I'm terrible at this, but anyway, what they do, it's very Zen. The three principles is explain how life works. I got to read this book. Well, there's all kind. It, it can be hard. It's the best way to learn about this that I learned because I found a coach mm-hmm. and I've been coaching with Michael Neal for over four years now. And the first lesson I got from Michael and people get different lessons in their own time, in different right. order was the one principle, the principle of thought. Mm-hmm. That's usually the first one that people can go, oh, I get it. But let me tell you, once you get it, you're in it for life because you, there's so much more to uncover. So the principle of thought, it tells us how thought works. Thought is like atomic energy. Okay. It can destroy entire cities or light up an entire city. Thought also is transient. It comes and it goes. And we, as divine human beings, have a choice. Which thought am I going to grab onto? Or how am I going to execute my thinking? Thinking and thought are a bit different. I'm not going to get into it. Mm -hmm. But the first, when I first started to understand this, 
I was only two weeks into it. Then I had a vacation, vacation. I, I went home for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I'm back in Chicago and I took an extra week off so that I could drop in on a Chicago casting director or two and visit my Chicago agent and be a good actor, good obedient actor. Well, life had a different plan (laughs) and I got sick and I rarely get sick. So I'm berating myself. I'm frustrated. I had these plans. Now I'm in Chicago for an extra week. My LA agent's going to kill me because I'm out of commission and that, you know, I'm, thinking, thinking, thinking. And I realized all of this thinking I'm doing. And then wisdom. Once you're quiet, once this noisy thinking quiets down, then the wisdom comes in. Yes. I know that from all the meditation I've been doing. Yes. And every person have has access to it 100% of the time. We just have to shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing with writing when I write a story. Yes. The same. I'll have where I have the whole story in the end and the bridge won't come to me. So I just quiet my mind and I just meditate on what can take me to the next step. Yeah. So the next step for me was surrender and let your body heal itself. Mm -hmm. Just let go. And that felt so good. That is our first clue. The feeling Once we notice that we're stressed, we're in fear, we're resentful, whatever this negative, once we notice, then we know we've got a lot of noise going on, then we can shut the fuck up. If you ever argue with your mind, your mind wants to take you in a certain, like a no, stop. That is not where you need to go. You need Ah. to chill. (laughs) Yes, but that's, Is that an argument or is that wisdom stepping in? That's wisdom stepping in. Yeah. Yeah. The argument, the argument are those imaginary arguments we have with people that we didn't get to say what we wanted to say. (laughs) That sucks up so much of our energy. I know. Do you ever stop yourself? You're like, what am I doing? I'm creating something that didn't even exist. That is thought, right? That's how thought works. How it can work. Thinking, overthinking. So as I'm getting better in bed, and I'm so lucky because the sister I was staying with, she's a registered nurse. Also, she has a holistic ritual. So she has holistic remedies. And so I was just healing. I was just getting better. So cut to a couple of days later, I'm like, you know what? I still had this got to be a good actor thing going on. I'm just going to send an email to my agent. I can't go into the office. Uh, By the way, I was in Blue Island. So I was out just outside of the city. I didn't have a car and there was, there's no easy public transportation. Oh, and there was just a huge snowstorm. Okay. So all of these things are like, I'm not getting into the city. So I sent him an email and let him know, just, you know, just to remind you, I'm still in town. And that day he sent me an audition and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't show up. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent. I don't have a car. There's snow on the ground. I didn't. And I'm like, oh, there I go again. I'm making up. So let it go. And I opened up the email and I saw the audition. And it is for a 65-year-old woman where English is not her primary language. And I'm like, fuck me. 
you know, 65. <laughs> right. You know, and, and this was uh, five years ago too. Right. So I already know that I look younger than my actual age and I'm not, I'm definitely not at 65 yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, fuck, I am not going to drag my ass, try to go into town, do this audition for this role that I'm not going to get. And my Spanish isn't that great. And I'm not going to get this Spanish. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. I accepted the, as soon as I made, and there's power in decisions. Mm -hmm. As soon as I made the decision, the commitment to go to this audition, I didn't know how I was going to get there. I'd figure it out. I didn't know how I was going to do at the audition. I would do the best I could. Because I've been doing it for th- over 30 years. Yep. I can figure out, even if I'm not right for it, I will do a good audition. Yeah, I will figure it all out. I confirmed it. Well, it's just like there's a wonderful explorer who went to the Himalayas and he's got this whole thing that's providence moves in once you make a commitment. So when I made that commitment, my niece, mm-hmm. who was studying Spanish, she says, I'll help you. I'll go over your lines with you. I'm like, you're a doll. Yes, of course. And then my brother-in-law who lives in Chicago with my other sister, mm-hmm. he said, I'll come pick you up. How far is that out of Chicago where you were? It's about a half an hour Okay, by car, mm-hmm. but by train or public transportation, you're talking an hour and a half. Yeah. So he came, picked me up. I stayed with him and my sister the night before the audition. And then that morning he said, I'll drive you. I'll just drive you to the audition. Like, oh my God, you know, everything just falls into place. Yeah. And I realized, oh my God, I was going to try to drop in on this casting director to say, hey, but now I'm actually going in for an audition. This is even better than I had, than my plans were. So I go in, I do the audition. Oh, I forgot to mention before I left, my agent called and said, we've got a commercial audition for you right afterwards. I, all right. Okay, <laughs> I'm in the city anyway. And I went to uh, the television audition. I went to the commercial audition. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling accomplished. I think I'm on Mag Mile at this point, Michigan Avenue. And I'm like, I'm going to go into an Irish pub and get me some stew and warm up. And it's going to be great. I get a call from my agent. Which one? Uh, the Chicago The agent. Chicago one. Okay. The Chicago agent, while I'm sitting there eating lunch, and he said, they want to book you? And I'm like, what, for the 65-year-old woman who barely speaks English? What? He said, they want to book you, but you would have to stay an additional week. Can you commit to that? And I thought, you know what? Yeah, why not? I don't, well, I don't, I was afraid of what my LA agent would think. And I recognized that irrational fear. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how she's going to react. I'm making this up. Thought. Yes. Thought. I'm like, okay. And they haven't booked me yet. They say they want to. Mm-hmm. I'm game. I'll play this game. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. If, if I don't get booked, good, I get to go back to LA. If I do get booked, good, I get a job. Exactly. It's, That's a, the, the whole purpose of having an agent and being an actor is you want a book. Yes. So I said to him, I said, I am willing to stay 
but see if you can get me more money. And he said, we'll do, we'll go after that. So he calls me back later and he said, there's good news and bad news, sort of. And it wasn't really bad news. Mm -hmm. He said, you booked it, but I couldn't get you more money. The good news is instead of one day, you've got three days of work on this job. So you still got more money. I wasn't even going to show up to that audition. Yep. That's what I'm talking about, recognizing the principle of thought. When we start to make up stuff and we recognize, oh, thoughts just, I'm grabbing onto it and I'm actually believing, I'm actually believing all of this crap. I'm feeding myself. I'm making this totally up because we don't know what we don't know. I didn't know they were going to want me for three days. How could I possibly have known that? You know, I couldn't have weighed, well, you know, all this, you know, you know, weighing back and forth. Is this better the decision or is that a better decision? And I realized how often I play it safe and I didn't even know it. I thought I was making sound decisions. I always thought I was a free spirit, but I realized in that experience how often I was playing it safe. And you know why I think it is? Because it's something that we want so bad and we want to please more instead of feeling comfortable within ourselves. I interviewed somebody else and he said the same thing. He says, I wasn't even going to show up. The breakdown was a tubalard. He goes, I'm not a tubalard. I'm overweight, but I'm not a tubalard. Right. And so he didn't want to show up, but he went anyway because, you know, and it was only supposed to be like for a week. He ended up being I don't know if he became a series regular it was totally re recurring on three seasons of the show yeah you know yeah so. that's that that drives me nuts when I hear other actors trying to predict what they think something is going to be mm -hmm. and it breaks my heart when they originally get cast at something that's supposed to be big but they were never promised but they really think it is and then they find out either they got cut or was reduced to nothing. That breaks my heart because thought grabs a hold of us both ways, the mm -hmm. positive and the negative. The truth about thought is that it is not real. It's all a perception. You know, we think one way and also we don't know what they're thinking. Yep. We don't know what they're thinking. I got cast in something and I just said, I'm just going to have fun with it. I used to book a lot in earlier in my career. I just loved having fun with it. And then it became, I wanted to make a career out of it. And when the day I said that, I screwed myself over. Because then it became about getting the job. It became about yep. getting money. It became about paying rent. It became about yeah. paying oh. bills. And it's like, no, you know, I went through a, a time where I was heartbroken because I said, that's it. I'm giving up acting. It has not been kind to me. And then as soon as I do that, I start booking. Absolutely. Because you let go, you're loose. I surrendered, like you said earlier. Yeah. yeah. Surrender, uh, going in, playing the game without any attachments. That's very Zen. It's all about being non-attachment, right? Exactly. This is true 100% of the time. So what's confusing, and I bring this into my coaching other actors, it's hard to explain to them, well, so, oh, you, you coach uh, uh, auditions? Well, I'm like, I could, I have, I do, but 
It's more about career. Oh, good. Then you can teach me how to book a job. Well, anybody can really do that because there's so many coaches who have these lists of things you can do in order to book a job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you stick to the list, you probably will. The pro what they leave out is where I come in and okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Because our a career is not made simply with booking a job. I can attest to that. Believe me, I have. <laughs> I think I've gone through that so many times, you know? Yeah, me too. That's why I am so excited to share what I've learned. Let me tell you, when that first experience, when I got on set and I went to the table read, I was having fun because I saw the call sheet and the guy who was playing my husband was an actor I hadn't seen in over 20 years. And he and I were in a play in Chicago at the Straw Dog Theater and became really close during that time. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen him in 20 years and here he was playing my husband. Oh, and then funny. I saw, I saw at least two other actors in the improv world because I was big in Improv Olympic and the Second City when I was there. Two improv actors also got booked on the same episode. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to see them at the table read. It's gonna. It was old home week. I was so happy. And not only did I get three days, one of those days because. It was because of scheduling, let's say. Yes. I only had to work two out of those three days, given the third one a paid day off. And I went running around downtown Chicago with my sister and met up with friends. And it was just lovely. The last day of shooting, we went into double overtime. Oh, I love those. Is there anything that you would like to address to the audience? Tell us how they can get in touch with you if they would, would like to have coaching from you. My name is Doreen Calderon. I am the owner of The Recognized Actor. That's the name of my coaching business. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find my website, therecognizedactor.com. All of those sites will lead you to a free 20-minute consult if you want to work with me. Mm -hmm. Also, I offer every Monday morning a free forum, uh, open forum online on Zoom. It's eight o'clock Pacific time. It's called, as we talked about earlier, now what? Yeah. And it's only for experienced actors. All right. So you can you can find that link on all of my Instagram, my website, and my Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, I have two playlists under, but that's under my name, Doreen Calderon, uh, two playlists. One is auditions and driving, mm -hmm. which I had to abandon during the pandemic, but I'm doing it again, uh, where I talk, I'm in my car and I'm talking about the commercial audition or whatever audition I just went on mm -hmm. and kind of break it down. And then I also have a series called just to be clear, where I talk about situations that an actor or an artist will come up against and kind of break it down just to be clear. Yes. Any last words for the audience? Oh, yes. Quit thinking so much. Just show up and play. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Overheard at Chica's Cafe. 
You can find us on Spotify and other podcast platforms. Visit us at overheardatchicascafe.com and on our Facebook page at Overheard Chica. This is where all friends meet.